Blog Talk Radio. How's it going out there, NFL fans? Welcome to this installment of the Diardo Show. Uh, I work for 24-7 Sports. My name is Brian Diardo, and we'll be uh, utilizing this as well for uh, for my purposes on our 24-7 uh, company. So most of you will probably be listening from that outlet, and uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun show. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring in Brian Rosen, uh, our my co broadcaster on the show brian what's going on man how you been hey doing great in the in the mile high city life is good still uh extremely happy and love to remind broncos fans after all the misery they caused the browns that we ended their season officially um so i'm (laughs) yeah life is life is good no complaints that's awesome man yeah and, and same here same here and uh you know, it's, uh, it's hard. What a crazy NFL season it was, man. It, it was crazy. And, uh, you know, I know for, for Browns fans and Steelers fans, it was like a tale of like four, four seasons, not just one. I mean, both teams started, you know, both teams lost a lot of close games, uh, won some close games. The Steelers season came down to uh, the Steelers players watching the outcome of the Browns-Ravens game to see if they were going to make it. Uh, into the playoffs, the Browns weren't able to pull it off, and I was I was actually in the tunnel at Heinz Field right after the uh, Steelers watched Baker Mayfield's final throw go incomplete, and them just walk dejectedly into the locker room. And how how ironic is this, Brian? Joe Hayden, who spent years in Cleveland, uh, when the uh, Steelers opened up the locker room, he was one of the first people out the door. Now. Afterwards, we found out that his wife uh, was 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 very pregnant that time, and she eventually, two days later, had their their uh, latest uh, addition to their family. But it was just very ironic how that whole sequence went down. But yeah, man, it was a yeah a crazy a NFL season for the Browns. What's that? <laughs> I said that's it is. A pretty it good is. Context. It, yeah, I, I would say that if your if your wife is uh, is going to be having a baby soon, you probably should get out. Um, and Joe's a stand-up guy. We know that. I think Steelers fans know that. I know Browns fans know that. Joe is the type who would t- answer questions if if he could, no matter what the circumstance. So, um, but yeah, I, you know, I I I want to comment on that. I'm going to say, and, and you can, maybe you'll remember better. Um, no, I remember. That was the fumble. I was going to say the refs, and and honestly. I, I don't even care if people want to say, oh, oh, yeah, you shouldn't blame the refs. That's fine. I promise you the refs, coupled with Hugh Jackson, cost the Browns a playoff spot this year. And I'm not upset. The year was incredible. We went 7-8-1. and one. Very happy we didn't lose for the first time in opening day. Um, we didn't win. We tied you guys. But, you know, it was a great season. But we were screwed repeatedly by the refs. The, there's, you know, the Raiders and – and, you know, when Lamar Jackson in the, in the first half, when they were in a position where they were going to take over the game, when he uh, stuck the ball over, did not get to the plane, and they blew the whistle, uh, instead of uh, calling it a fumble, and we would have ran it back for a touchdown, we would have won the football game. You guys would have went to the playoffs. Everyone would have been happy. Um, there were multiple times where we got screwed by the refs this year. So, I, you know – I'm not going to say I felt, as a Browns fan, I felt bad for the Steelers fans, but I, I certainly think anyone who's watching that game could honestly say, yeah, the refs, the refs, you know, uh, prematurely blew a whistle. 
that prevented the Browns from a touchdown. And that was that. That was the difference. It was it was crazy because I was at the Steeler game and everybody kind of was pretty much everybody was watching the Steeler game. But everybody was kind of watching the game flow of the, the Browns Ravens game. And there are a few moments where you're you know, you're Even thinking, all right, the, the Ravens were pulled away. That game too. The actual oh, no players question. seemed yeah. to be watching oh, that game yeah. too, based upon the fact that the, 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 the performance was as such that you had a lot of Browns fans. This is just you know naturally what you think when there's a rival. There were a lot of Browns fans thinking, are we going to actually find a way to pull this off and the Bengals are going to beat the Steelers? Is that actually going to happen? I mean, that, uh, from afar, that's what it looked like for a while. You get, it just proves how terrible the Bengals were this year that you guys, it seems like you guys were able to turn it on at the very end of the game and it still was enough to beat that pitiful team. Um, but the, the scoreboard was not favoring you guys almost the entire game. Well, that's the funny part of the whole thing was that everybody kept saying, well, if the Browns help us out, and, every, and I kept thinking, well, the Steelers have to win this game. And here's the crazy thing. Nobody really thought much of Antonio Brown not being in that game. And I remember hearing when his name was on the inactive, everybody kind of assumed that because he wasn't at practice all week. However, he kept showing up as inactive, you know, uh, in parentheses, knee slash coach's decision. You, you never see that on injury reports. It's either coach's decision no. with nothing or the injury. So it was odd all, all week, but you kept thinking, and obviously him not being there was, was vivid. I mean, it was evident that they struggled without having Antonio Brown. And, and, again, I know the Bengals had about 18 guys on IR at that point, but they still had Sean Williams who had that sixth pick. And I think Sean Williams is one of those underrated you know, safeties in the NFL. They still had Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap out there. They had some, still had some pretty formidable guys out there. And, and Juju obviously wasn't used to, um, you know, not having Antonio Brown around him. The Steelers struggled all year long to have a consistent number three receiver, and obviously that hurt them. But yeah, as you said, Brian, in the second half they kind of got things together, and I actually really liked uh, the combo of James Conner and Jalen Samuels. I mean, that's what, been what Steeler fans have been screaming about forever. You know, why can't uh, the Steelers' offense, why can't Mike Tomlin utilize two running backs? Why does it always have to be this one-back thing where and then eventually you run the guy down? You know, Le'Veon in the past and now with James Conner. But, yeah, they got it together. And, and, I mean, it was embarrassing how close that game was. And then, you know, the the Steelers kept watching the Browns ending on the Jumbotron at Heinz Field with all the fans. And I wish, Brian, I didn't rush down to the locker room. That would have been a scene I never would have forgotten. Instead, I did watch the game on the TV with some of the other reporters right when the Steelers were coming in. And Baker threw that sideline pass on first down. Uh, the receiver almost had it, didn't have it. And then they reviewed the next play that almost seemed like a catch that would have gotten the Browns into field goal range. Uh, and then the Ravens brought the house on those last two passes. But, yeah, that, that's, that ending is still very vivid in my mind, and it's amazing because uh, I was in the locker room this year for three Steeler games, all wins. That one, there wasn't even a whisper about that outcome of, of that Bengal game. It was, it was a losing locker room, and there wasn't a single question asked about of that course. Bengal game. And, and then, obviously, a couple of days later, all the Antonio Brown stuff came out. And uh, the funny thing is, the reporters that cover the team in Pittsburgh day in and day out, they see practice every single day. They knew something was going on uh, with Antonio Brown. They waited until Pittsburgh didn't make the playoffs to kind of open up that can of worms, and, boy, that can has been opened. <laughs> yeah. 
For sure. Well, and and the one thing I wanted to say early on in this podcast, especially to your, you know, to to your your readers, to your listeners on from two four seven sports is yes, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I'm a Browns fan. I do not like the Steelers, but I have a couple things I want to say on that. Number one, I try to be very fair. Uh, number two, I am like most Clevelanders. Will have not and will never forget the fact that the Roonies were one of I think what two teams, three teams, a very minimal amount. I don't remember that that voted against the Browns moving to Baltimore. So uh, most Clevelanders, even if they won't admit it, uh, appreciate very much the Rooney family. And I've always, like you should with any real rival, I've always had a ton of respect for the Steelers organization. I've been jealous, like most fans would be, not just of the Browns, but, but any, any organization. Um, it, it's you get, you know, overall, it, it's one of the best organizations in professional sports has been for a very long time. You think about the fact that we have, you know, a new coach every year and you're, you guys have had three head coaches since Chuck Knoll. Um, so, you know, we, is for the purpose of this podcast, yes, I'm a Browns fan. Yes. I do not like the Steelers. I'm not going to pretend that, nor would you want me to, nor would I want a Steelers fan to pretend that they like the Browns. And uh, I will say, I, 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 you know, in being respectful, the difference between myself as Brian and the great Brian DiArdo is he's just a much nicer, I'm going to even say better person than I am, um, genuinely better person probably than I am. So I he's always very That's nice, right. nice about me. Uh, he's always very nice to me. And, uh, you know, I may not be quite as nice, but, but I will be honest. And I, and I did, did want to preface it whatever else we discuss related to these two teams that, yes, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you the perspective I'm coming from, but I'm going to try to be fair, and I'm going to try to look at things as objectively as I possibly can, you know, knowing that Brian has the far, far better knowledge of the Steelers' history and where the Steelers are now and where they're going and follows them closely as a beat reporter, and I follow the Browns as if I was a beat reporter. So, I wanted, I wanted to make sure I prefaced and we came from that perspective first as we, uh, we discuss really both teams and the future really of the AFC North and, you know, what, what will happen moving forward with the Browns now, in my mind, and I think in, in any rational person's mind, very much in the conversation, in the mix uh, for the future in terms of, of playoffs and, and competition uh, with, within the division. Uh, yeah, I can I can back a lot of that up, and, and I'm glad you prefaced that because when you say we now, listeners know who you're talking about, and when I say the exactly. similarly things about the Steelers, they'll know who I'm talking about. But you exactly. know, and I have a lot of the same similarities with with my feelings towards the Browns, and they're they're a classic NFL team, and and you know, whenever when I was younger, and and we you know me and my friends would debate greatest running backs ever, my dad would just kind of walk by and he's like Jim Brown, stop discussing it, and he'd leave. <laughs> so you know, he he was. You know, I grew up with that understanding that, that Cleveland was, is a great sports town. And growing up in Columbus, you know, I remember when the Yan- uh, Indians were great. And uh, obviously that, that seat down here. So I have an understanding. Uh, obviously, you've forgotten more about Cleveland sports than I'll ever know. Uh, but I do have an understanding of, of their franchise and their the NFL. And I mean, when they were going for their first win in, in a long time, uh, that was a Thursday night game, I believe. My wife was coming back from a work trip, and I was driving to the airport, and I was listening to the game. And when I picked her up, she just does not like football nearly as much as we do. 
and I was imagining she'd make me turn on some teeny bop radio station to listen to the latest and greatest music. And she got in the car and she was like, did you hear the Browns are winning? And we listened to the game on the way back and we were driving home when they won the game. And we were like, you know, two not Browns fans. She's a Bengal fan and we're listening and we're excited. And, you know, I have friends that are Bengal fans that, that watched hard knocks now are Browns fans and really enjoyed uh, the season the Browns had. And I think that's great for the league. And, I hope that the Browns uh, – and obviously they showed firing Hugh Jackson was the right move, um, you know, and, and maybe – and I talked to the Browns writer about this. He said that it was it had gone on too long. They should have let him go after last year. Uh, you For know, sure. I was surprised they didn't stick with Greg Williams. I, I, You know, and I wonder if they win that Ravens game, if that changes anything, because then you're 6-2 and two in nope. your last eight games. But – but obviously you say no, so uh, you obviously know no. more than I do in that situation. But it seems like everybody likes the Freddie Kitchens hire, and um, seems like he's already got a good pulse on what needs to be done. Yeah, I, 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 I think this is a good time to provide also just my sort of opinion on a few other things. And that is number one, and, and, and this is what I, when I said that you're a nicer, better person than I am. Like, I hate that. I, I hate that you – and, you know, I hate, the, I hate you Bengals fans that I, I, I don't want anybody who's a rival in our division to ever for any point in time want to root for us, ever. And <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm guessing there's probably not a lot of Steelers fans that feel the way you do, but I don't want that because I want the rivalry to be on the same level from the Pittsburgh perspective as Steelers-Ravens is. And, of course, it shouldn't have been. It couldn't have been since the Browns have come back, because the Browns have not been competitive. So I, I'm not, like, resentful that that rivalry is where it is. Um, I expect the Browns to have big games and, and for uh, the Browns and, and Ravens' uh, rivalry to intensify. But I don't want that. I want to get back to the point, and, my, you know, I'm sure one win in pitch by the Browns, uh, it'll be back for everybody, even for you, I would, would hope, that if we can finally do that and then really, really be – turn that corner because I do feel as a Browns fan because you guys are the class of the division that's what the Browns have to do and they probably have to win in Baltimore also at some point here soon but that's the next step um I just in terms of my feelings on the division itself I mean I hate the Harbaugh's because I'm a Buckeye um although I do kind of like love Jim because he's horrible coach at Michigan and we kick the crap out of him every year so I guess I kind of like Jim uh from that standpoint the Ravens, I do have some respect for. Uh, obviously, Ozzie Newsom's built that organization. He's a Browns legend. Uh, I will say with confidence, I don't think we'll talk a ton about the Bengals, but I have zero respect for them. I have, uh, don't have a ton of respect for the fans of Cincinnati. I think they are pretty good in terms of the Reds, but I think Bengals fans are incredibly fickle, and I don't have, a, have really any respect for that organization at all. Um, their entire history was predicated on the idea that we felt Paul Brown wasn't capable of succeeding anymore in football, and we fired him, and he started that organization. And his son, right, Mike Brown, is, really has done a horrible job with that organization and kept Marvin Lewis for, I don't know, how many years was he here? 13, 14? At he least was there eight or nine from years, 2003 until 2008. Or 2018, yeah. rather. Yeah. yeah. Now, so, Mike. Objectively yeah. speaking, Marvin Lewis was there for at least six, for at least six to eight years too long. He probably deserved five to seven years there at most. 
I think that's fairly I, – I, I'm, I'm some, I, I, as I said, I don't respect them, so I'm probably being more subjective than, than um, I should be, but I don't think that's like a ridiculous take to say that he should have been fired you know, at least five to seven plus years ago. So. My take on Marvin is this, and I wanted to get to one point real quick. Um, what you said about yeah. me being happy and all that stuff. So I just think if the Browns win game, the first game, that opens everything up. Because when T.J. Watt blocks that kick, the Steelers tie that game, Sarah, my, you know, Sarah comes into the room and she's like, that's almost as bad. Like, that's as bad as a loss. And I said, that is not even close. That's not even close. The Steelers didn't lose that game. If they lose that game, you get inundated with the Browns fan text messages. You get, I mean, now all of a sudden the fan. I mean, the fans were kind of disgusted in Pittsburgh with the tie. Like, you know, what, what, what's that? You lose that game. Now there is thunder being dropped <laughs> at the Steelers facility. Like, how can you lose to that team? And then the hatred builds up. And then when they come in and we get a tie rod too, you know, Tyrod, we're not even talking oh, about Baker absolutely. Mayfield. We're yeah. talking about and, and, Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley. Right. It amazes me how great Ben was for most of his tenure and how great the Steelers' offense was because in the short period of time he was the Browns' offensive coordinator, he did a horrible job. So we don't need to get into that anymore unless you want to, but I did just want to throw out there, I, that's I'm me complimenting the Steelers, that I am amazed right. that it just speaks to how incredible Ben is as a Hall of Fame quarterback and uh, a tremendous running back, obviously, Le'Veon for, you know, um, for that whole tenure. And, um, you know, and obviously A.B. And, and, and everyone else on defense. But, but wow, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous. But, but, yeah, I'm sure both fan bases were disgusted. We, the Browns fans were happy that we didn't lose. Like, that was nice. But we had six turnovers. So if you have six turnovers and you tie, it's hard to be happy with yourself. Um, but I could also, of course, if you're a Steelers fan, you're also not in the least bit happy because you're like, wow, we tied the Browns. What does that say about our chances of, of success this year? We tied the Browns. Not a good, not a good start. Crazy well, that was the microcosm of Pittsburgh's entire season, that game. I mean, they had flashes of what they could be when everybody was kind of clicking on all cylinders and when they weren't being themselves. They had a 21-7 lead in that game, and Connor was rum- rolling and, and – Juju had 100 receiving yards. A.B. didn't have a huge statistical game, but he was kind of evolving into, you know, obviously Ben wasn't forcing the ball to him anymore because, you know, Juju had emerged. And so they showed all those things. And then, you know, they also showed the things that were their negatives in in 18. James Conner's huge fumble, uh, the turnovers, and the lack of forcing turnovers because, you know, and everything like that. and not being able to hold leads, Chris Boswell's uh, issues. He missed a kick that, that would have won the game for the Steelers in overtime. So, and that that game should have really told you the story. That game did tell you the story of the 18 Steelers right there. I mean, a lot of potential, a lot of talent, uh, but ultimately they were too young in too many uh, pivotal spots. Uh, Terrell Evans, I thought, had a, had a good rookie season. But that was a lot to ask for him that first season for him to be a starter right away. I mean, they they got Morgan Burnett in free agency to, to try to plug that hole, and he he was injured all year. So I mean, Edmonds was just he was just just missed it on so many plays late in games. I mean, the Chargers game that they lost during their their three game losing streak, you know, he missed a few plays where he was right there but just couldn't finish. 
the Raiders came, it was the same thing. And, you know, and that's and, and in today's league with the parity as tight as it is, it's amazing. I mean, and our Rooney the second, the Steelers owner said it a few days ago, he's like, this season literally came down to a couple of plays. And But, but, but the Browns can say the same thing. I mean, when you're oh, eight seven absolutely. one nine six and one, you're a few plays away from being eleven and five. So I mean, oh, and yeah. we could go on a whole other spiel, but I mean, the league today—it's never been more competitive. It's never been closer, and uh, you know that's why uh, you got to be good at forcing the ball or protecting it, because uh, if you're not, uh, or you can't have officials screw you, like. I mean, I know that yeah. the Steelers fans are still upset about that Saints game, and I know Browns fans are upset about that Ravens game. Oh, we're upset about a ton of games. We're upset about, well, uh, a ton of upset games. about the Ravens game. <laughs> upset about right. the, the, the Tampa Bay, uh, the Bucks game. Yep. The Raiders game yep. was, was literally taken out of our hands. I mean, I, it's not, I'm not upset in terms of the season. The season was incredible. I'm so excited for the future. And because I know the Browns were obviously not – a realistic contender in terms of maybe I do think the Browns had a legit chance. I said that earlier and I'm standing by. I do think they had a legit chance. Probably find a way to get in based upon just simply math, right? If the Browns would have had a couple of more wins, um, they get in, but, but it, I, I wasn't that upset because it's not like this team was anywhere near, especially with struggles defensively. It's not like the Browns were anywhere near relevancy in terms of, you know, having a chance in the playoffs. And from that context, it was, you know, as fun, as fun as it would have been, it's not like I'm upset um, about that standpoint. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it, – yeah, it was a very interesting year. And, 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 you know, as a Browns fan watching the Steelers, it was definitely head-scratching to see the kind of – the way the Steelers finished the season, to think about some of those losses. Obviously, the Raiders, above all else, sort of strikes you as, you know, how, how do you let that happen? The Broncos – even though it's never easy to win at mile high, um, but not being able to stop them struggling, I believe in that game, correct me if I'm wrong, Philip Lindsay had a, had a long run um, and the Browns shut him down uh, when we played the, played the Broncos. And even though he had a tremendous year and is, is going to be one of the, probably get the third most votes after Baker Mayfield and Saquon Barkley for rookie of the year, uh, this year in a tremendously competitive race and was an incredibly talented rookie class throughout the NFL on offense and defense. Um, it, you know, that's one that you can't lose. So it, it was, it was very fascinating as a Browns fan to kind of watch the end of the season and, and never for a moment until obviously the season ended. Did I think you guys, the Steelers are not making the playoffs. I never was a point where I felt like that wasn't going to happen. But I guess when you, when you look at the entire season as a whole, there were a lot of those signs that you mentioned, beginning in the first game with the Browns of something's off this year, something about the, the typical Steelers. Steelers find a way to win games. The Browns historically find ways to lose games. The Steelers find ways to win games that they're supposed to and, and beyond that. Um, so very, yeah, it's a very interesting Interesting season, and, and, you know, I'm very curious, again, as, as you look to the future, the other piece I want to say, and then I want to get your take on this, is uh, one thing I've always respected specifically about, as I said, I've respected the Steelers organization uh, and the franchise, always have, and I probably really I always will unless there's something that changes drastically, um, but I don't foresee that at all. One of the things I've always appreciated about the Steelers, and Plaxico Burris comes to mind, 
Santonio Holmes comes to mind. I don't mean to just be naming receivers. Um, but Steelers don't deal with divas typically, and the Steelers are always willing, it seems, to let a great player go at if the time is right. If it's not going to work out, if that person's not team first, or if the contract is not going to be something that's in the, truly in the best interest of the organization, then that's that. They, they let the guy, like, the guy go, and for the most part, those, those players then leave and they're not very successful. And the Steelers end up being in the right for sure. What, what's interesting to me and where I really want your opinion is, is how you feel about the fact that this is now, what, a couple of years in a row, issues with Le'Veon. Le'Veon doesn't play the whole year. Now issues with A.B. where you have your owner coming out and saying he can't envision a way that A.B. is a part of the Steelers next year. And while you have you know, a running back in Connor that is great, and that's a blessing in disguise, I, th- I think any Steelers fan would agree at this point, you're, you guys are fortunate that you didn't sign Le'Veon to a long-term deal. Not that Le'Veon is not great, but – you have a good enough running back. You, you, that money can be allocated elsewhere. Um, but now, you know, even though you have Juju and still a lot of talent, it just, it just, it's crazy from the outside seeing that now, this, again, you have this issue with AB and you've got cornerstones of the franchise that one day will come back and will be revered again um, by Steeler Nation for their, their, their previous accomplishments. But it's just – I don't get it. What's going on? And how do you foresee this ending? I've given you a lot to work, a lot to discuss there, but I just – I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm very curious your opinion on what's, what's happened and what's going to – what the expectations are moving forward for how this resolution can come where the Steelers can be very successful um, with more than likely without now uh, – one of the best receivers in Steelers history and then probably in the NFL history. So it's a, that's a lot to digest, but it, so I think the first thing you have to start with is when the Steelers are drafting people, like I know in the seventies, for example, Chuck Knoll, the hall of fame coach and the guys that were in charge of the draft, they looked at the courses the college guys were taking to see if they liked the challenge themselves. So They're taking Jim, Jim one Oh one, and nothing hard. I mean, I think Jack Hale took psychology classes, a Hall of Fame outside linebacker. I mean, they looked at those things. They looked at guys that legitimately wanted to come. And, you know, they, they obviously dropped the ball with Antonio. And I, and I do think that Antonio does want to win. He does want to ring. But I also think that him being the, a star, I mean, he craves attention. There's no other way to say it. I mean, there isn't. I mean, it, I mean, after the Patriots game in week 15 that they won, and he scored a touchdown, but other than that, didn't have a great statistical game. He was one of the first people out of the locker room after that game. And you could tell something was bothering him. And then you fast forward to uh, the Saints game the next week that they lose, and he has a monstrous statistical game, and he's everywhere on Twitter, on social media. He's answering all the questions after the game. So obviously this is someone that, that no matter what likes to be known. I mean, he wants to be revered as one of the greatest players of all time and the greatest receiver of this era. And he does not, that's what's most important to him. And he took shots at, at media members this year in Pittsburgh. He, he verbally threatened one on Twitter uh, for something he wrote. I mean, Brown 
wants to be revered by the local media, but but at the same time, he doesn't do anything to help his cause. He doesn't do uh, his uh, interviews with the media until Fridays when most people have already, you know, filed away their stories. And so, uh, you know, he's just, he's not ultimately a team player. Um, I think he's somewhat liked in the locker room. He's been voted MVP four times. But obviously he's been jealous of Juju's success. Um, he has been happy in Pittsburgh for, you know, all year. I mean, there were signs that went way back to – I mean, he left the team during training camp, and it was somewhat suspicious. I mean, uh, I mean, they, people were – I mean, Tomlin said that, that he was getting a second opinion on a lower body injury, but it, it was weird. And, you know, and, and so to me, you know, Antonio, I don't think it's necessarily a reflection as much on the organization as it just is with Antonio. Um, with Le'Veon, I just think Le'Veon kind of went Hollywood. He started the rapping career. Uh, you know, he kept listening to everybody saying how great he was, you know, all pro, all this stuff. And, I mean, you were seeing videos in 17 that when he was on the team. You know, after after games, I mean, he would take teammates on private jets and fly around the country. So, I mean, he was someone that went a little Hollywood. Um, and I don't necessarily fault him for what he decided to do last year. He told the Steelers point blank, if you tag me again, I, I'm not going to play. And that's what happened. So, and then – he thought about coming back week eight, but ultimately he bolted. He, I think he honestly wasn't sure how he'd be received in the locker room. And then at the end of the day, he decided to just sit it out. But um, I, I will say this. Um, there's two things about this situation that really bother me. The first one is when people talk about how um, disoriented or how much you – know, how divisive or separated the Steeler locker room is, that's just not true. Like, you know, after the, the, the week 17 game, you know, in the midst of all this A-B stuff that was in the air that nobody knew of really yet, I just saw a locker room of guys that were upset they didn't make the playoffs. And they were all disappointed, and there was human emotion there, and there were a lot of young guys that, that really were upset that they didn't help the veterans get another shot at the Super Bowl. You know, Pouncey, Ben, uh, you know, Hayward. I mean, those guys are revered. Cameron Hayward's like the Joe Green of the Steeler team. I'm not necessarily not not that not quite as great as Mean Joe, but he's revered very similarly. I mean, Hayward when Hayward speaks, it, it means something. And just like Pouncey and and you know the young guys definitely felt like they let the older guys down. I mean, T.J. Watt was upset as I mentioned Hayden at the start of the podcast. So unfortunately, you know, Bell and and Brown have really. I mean, they hurt the look of the entire organization and the guys that are there do, are doing all the right things. So that's the first thing that bothers me. The other thing is, I, I will say this, I, I think that Mike Tomlin has definitely given uh, his stars too big of a leash. And I think in 07, he inherited a team that two years prior had won a Super Bowl. They were all very motivated guys that wanted to win another one, which they did. And so I don't think Tomlin really had to worry about uh, babysitting or, you know, uh, you know, integrating all these strict rules. And then he gets guys like A.B. with other agendas and Martavis Bryant and Le'Veon. And, and now all of a sudden, I mean, I mean, there isn't a more star-studded team than the Steelers. They have more pro bowlers than I think any team that's left right now in, in the playoffs. But uh, And then Tomlin does have a saying. His saying is, I, I'll, I'll treat everyone uh, fairly but not equally. And as James Harrison said on Fox Sports 1 earlier this week, and I think a lot of stuff Harrison says is true. He says to Tom, you know, with, with, he says with Tomlin, you know, he'll give you an inch and some guys will take a foot. He'll give some people a foot and they'll take a mile. And that's clearly what's happening. The fact that Antonio was still paid for that Week 17 game, 
the fact that he was allowed back on the sidelines for that Week 17 game, the fact he even thought that he could still play in that game. I mean, that upset players in that locker room. They were upset that A.B. was paid, and they were upset that he was even allowed to be in that locker room at that point when he pretty much abandoned them. And I've been incredibly hard on him because I feel like he's duped uh, me and a lot, that, that's given him the benefit of the doubt a lot and has given him a lot of flattering coverage and has really tried to build up his, his stature and his aura. I feel incredibly duped. And, uh, you know, and I, and I think that a lot of Steeler fans, and this is the craziest thing, Brian, a lot of Steeler fans still want this guy back because Steeler fans love great players and they don't want to see them end their careers somewhere else. Um, they saw that happen with Harrison. They don't want to see it happen with Brown. But the situation is, is fascinating. And the fact that – and Art Rooney the second, I think, has made some mistakes. I don't think he has the same aura as his father. Um, and I think that he's clueless. I mean, he said that Brown wasn't an issue until this past week. Brown tweeted, trade me after week two, I believe. Where was Art when that happened? I mean, Art Rooney the second is is – I don't think he really understands the magnitude of what happened this season. And, and to me, if you're a Steeler fan, that is the most discouraging thing, is that your owner, who's supposed to have a pulse on everything, doesn't really have much of a pulse on what's really going on. Interesting. No, and, 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 that's, and that, that's a great perspective. And, you know, look, I, the only thing I guess I'll push back on a little bit is is that – I understand maybe the locker room itself is not fractured, and I'm sure they, to an extent, probably came together amidst the BS. And certainly if you take an AB out of the locker room from the locker room perspective, that's only going to be a positive. Ultimately, you have guys just focusing on winning and all that. But at the end of the day, I guess my point is that, you know, this is another incredibly talented player, and yes – Certainly, it, it, you know, it, it may be just look, two isolated incidents between Le'Veon and A.B. where it just, it's not in the best interest of, of, you know, of the Steelers to have them. Obviously, Le'Veon's not really an issue anymore with Connor, but um, it, it, at the end, it, it is, I mean, it's not going to help the Steelers' chances of being successful next year to lose A.B. It just isn't. I mean, he's incredible. That's a loss. That's a loss that will have an impact. How big of an impact it has, who knows? If you get another juju in this upcoming draft, it'll be, it'll be minimal. But it's going to be impactful. You can't lose a player of that caliber and not have it hurt you at least a little bit. And I guess what I wonder is, is there anything that anybody could have done? And you mentioned Tomlin. It sounds like it's fair to say that you know, Tomlin perhaps made some mistakes. The, the, the guy I'm really curious about in all this is Ben. Was Ben's responsibility ultimately, I'm going to worry about just the team, and if A.B. is going to you know, only worry about A.B., then I'm not going to worry about it. Was, or was there something more that as the leader of the team, as the face of the franchise, as a man who will go down with all of the greats, as one of the most iconic, successful players, not just quarterback players, in Steelers history, was there a responsibility or is there anything that you feel, and I'm not saying you should or shouldn't, but I'm curious, is there anything you feel that Ben could have done or should have done differently that maybe avoids an outcome where you're now going to lose over the last however many years, five, seven years, maybe more, the best receiver in, in football? 
That is the big reason why this is happening. Um, I, I think there's no other there's no other way to go around that. Ben's a big reason why this is happening. Um, he called uh, Brown out on his radio show after the Denver loss. He said on that interception he threw at the end that that, that Bell didn't run a clean enough route. It should have been a sharp cut, but because he kind of overlapped the route, that enabled the, the interception, which is wrong because that tackle was blocked into the throw. There's nothing Brown could have done. And then Ben doubled down on that and said, in hindsight, I just should have threw to Juju four times in a row. I mean, so, you know, Ben's not a perfect leader. I, I think he needs to stop with the public criticism. I, I think it's it's ridiculous. And, and just, you know, obviously, the, you know, Ben's teammates aren't as upset with him as they are with AB, but there, there are guys in that locker room that are tired of Ben's, you know, there was a whole week where that was the narrative after the Denver game that, you know, and Ben had to field questions about it twice during the week that, you know, that receiver was at children's hospital uh, with the rest of the Steelers rookies donating his time, volunteering his time when Ben's criticizing him. That was a really bad look for Ben that day. Um, And, you know, and, and Brown was asked about Ben's critical comments and to Brown's credit, he was like, you know, Ben's our leader, and, and he, he danced the dance. And I remember watching that and thinking, okay, you know, Brown Brown could have went nuclear, and that would have blown up the season. That right then and there, week week 13, week 14, that would have blown up the season. But but Brown took the high road, and I think something happened. Well, I know something happened that, that last Wednesday where Ben, you know, Brown runs the, the route that Ben doesn't think he's going to run. Ben throws the ball down and says, get him out of here. Brown sees it, throws up his arms, and just swears at Ben and says, I'm done. And that was it. And he never came back. And he's done with Ben. And, you know, uh, now, now Brown obviously is being short-sighted because Tomlin gives him a lot of leeway. But Brown also wants, again, like I told you with, with the media and how Ben is exalted. And, and, yeah, there was some criticism of Ben a little bit this year. He led the league in interceptions and all that kind of stuff. But, Overall, Ben is in turn, and especially you want to throw in Ben's past, going way back. But still, Ben is is very regarded in the media. He's regarded highly, and you know, and 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 I think Ben Bryan has a lot of a lot of clout. He has more clout than I would say any player in the NFL uh, right now with his organization. More than Drew Brees, more than way more than Brady, way more than Brady. Brady's very much subservient to Belichick. And I mean, and I think that really upsets Ben and or Brown. And I think Brown's warranted there. I think that Tomlin has given Ben. I mean, Ben in a lot of ways is almost like LeBron. He's like call, calling the shots. And I mean, he told the Steelers to draft James Conner. I mean, Ben Ben has a lot of clout. Ben gets guys signed. Ben gets contracts. I mean, Ben. There's no one that um, has more power as a player in the NFL than Ben Roethlisberger. And that's a major reason why. So long-winded answer to your question, what could Ben have done? He could have given Brown more respect. Um, now, obviously, he can't let Brown skid. Ben's the leader. When Ben needs to hold someone accountable, he needs to. But, like, Ben praises Pouncey, and I think Pouncey's the most underrated player on that team. And I think Brown wanted to have that same brotherhood, that same respect, and he just wasn't getting it from Ben. And I think that, yeah, Ben, if Ben wasn't on the Steelers next year, Brown be back. I, there's no doubt in my mind. Wow. No, it, 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 it's it's very interesting, and yeah, everything you're saying, really, the, the, as you were, you know, saying that, I just kept coming back to it. Really, does seem like James Harrison. It does make a really good point that, that does. Tomlin does, really, does really feel as though 
that as great as Tomlin has been, and I certainly um, was ne- never in the category that he should be fired at all. I think that that seems ridiculous to me. Uh, that, and I don't know if that was even ever realistically something that even had any legit prayer of happening or not. But it does certainly seem as though, yeah, he, he's very much him and Ben. Um, but, you know, Tomlin's that coach is, is worthy of some criticism. I think what will be interesting to watch for you guys moving forward for the Steelers is, you know, what happens with like a Juju who's a star in the making. I mean, is he going to be as good as AB? You have to assume no, simply because that it would be disrespectful to assume anybody after their rookie year, no matter how good, is going to be as good as, as AB. But he certainly has all the potential to be a tremendous receiver and all-pro receiver. Um, you know, so there is a good example of someone. You know, will he become an issue? Will uh, at at some time? How will he be managed? moving forward. Um, so it, it, it's definitely interesting to think about, uh, you know, uh, how this will protect, or will this rear its ugly head down the road. Um, but I think that, that what is, is really interesting, if you take off your Steelers or your Browns hat and you just look at this division as a whole for a moment, it's pretty cool from the standpoint that, where it's been Steelers and Ravens duking it out every year for the division and a lot of years where both teams made it, you do have a legit three-horse race, and there are positives and reasons to be excited for all three teams moving forward. So it's really, I think, just if you're just a football fan, the AFC North is going to be one of the great races and one of the great stories to follow in 2019 and beyond because you have – three teams that, that are all going to head into training camp with aspirations of, you know, of the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that's remotely justified in the Brown standpoint, but you have to feel, you have to think that way. Uh, but, but every one of those teams is going to certainly have the approach that we need to win and we should win the division. I, I'll, I'll say it right now as a Brown fan, that's my expectation. The Browns should make the playoffs, but more than that, I think, and I expect, that the Browns win the division. I think every Steelers fan should feel the same way, and I'm sure Ravens fans do too because the Ravens have a tremendous defense. I tend to think moving forward, obviously Ben, you know, you don't know how much longer he'll be able to, to, to you know, perform. So I, as a Browns fan, I would say, this, you know, when I look at the future, I'm more confident in – I'm trying to be I'm, – I'm, I'm not obviously objective, but I'm trying to be – I do think the Browns have – the best chance of uh, a long and prosperous future of the three teams, simply given that you have Baker Mayfield, who is a lot, you know, it doesn't have the, the, the issues that Lamar Jackson does. We don't know how good Lamar will get. He was just a rookie and he's an incredible runner and it's not that he can't pass, but that's a part of the game that, that is going to take time to develop. There's legitimate questions there. That offense is not what put the Ravens in the top of the division. Uh, so every team in this division, and I'm a, a, a completely 100% excluding the Bengals, and I should because the Bengals are not close. <laughs> uh, it, it, this, there's just no way. They're going to have to – their hire is going to have to be a home run, and maybe it will be and maybe it won't. Um, but their hire is going to definitely have to be a home run. And e- even still, I, there, I don't have any expectations. I don't think most people do of them competing uh, in the future because they don't have a quarterback. So – 
it's yeah, I think I think the division as a whole. So I guess I want to just kind of get your thoughts on, you know, just the the division as a whole moving forward, um, and 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 your perspective on it. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Browns and the Browns are going to have the you no, know, they're not going to sneak up on anyone, and I think that's going to kind of be the interesting thing. Now teams are going to have a tape on Baker. They're going to know who how to try to take him away. And that'll be interesting now to see the Browns with legitimate and warranted expectation. Okay, they may have snuck up on some of us, you know, last year. Now let's see what they've got. I think that's going to be incredibly interesting to see what the Browns do. Um, and, and obviously, you know way more than I do. And as I said at the onset, I was surprised when they got rid of Greg Williams. You weren't. So now the new face of the Browns' defense, do they lose their edge? Because the Browns' defense, I think, is what really gives them their bite. And Miles Garrett was a slam dunk first-round pick. I mean, he panned out. And he not only, you know, and I think with him and Baker, you've got a great dynamic. And, and Because both guys aren't just good players. They've got that X factor. I mean, they, they, they talk a good game. I mean, and I think it was overblown. I think you would agree when Garrett got drafted. He's like, I can't wait to sack Ben or whatever. I mean, people blew that out of proportion. But that, but that was good. It was good for the rivalry. It was good for the Browns. It was good for Miles because now he's coming in with a bullseye on his back. And, and Baker's the same way. And, you know, the Jarvis Landry acquisition was great. I mean, you talk about the anti-AB. I mean, there you go. And, you know, Duke Johnson – uh, was excellent this year. I picked him, picked him up on fantasy late in the year. Didn't I could didn't win the league, but he certainly helped me. So the Browns have the pieces, um, and you could speak more to this than me. This is what scares me the most about the Steelers: uh, the aging offensive line. I mean, you saw now Dallas did retool it this year, but they're not what they were at 16. At some point, the Steelers' offensive line, and I think the Steelers' O line this year was the best in football, and they wasted a year of, of that offensive line's ability, which is sad. Um, and now just about all those guys are north of 30, except for David DeCastro. I think the Browns' offensive line is much younger. So I think that would be something that you would obviously could speak to. But, yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it's clear that the, the Browns and the Steelers are uh, the top two teams in the division. I think that the Steelers are going to come in with a huge chip on their shoulder. They're not most likely going to have A.B., but I think what needs to be done, um, you know, you retold the offense a little bit. James Washington, the second-round pick, has got to put his big boy pants on. He started to, you know, late in the season, made some big catches late in the late games. And, uh, you know, and, and so, but they need to bring in another weapon. They need another offensive weapon. And, and there is some rumblings that it could be Larry Fitzgerald if they convince him to come to Pittsburgh. He did play collegiately at Pitt. But that offense is going to be fine. They're not going to blow people away. You know, here's the issue with the Steelers' offense last year. They had one-possession leads in, uh, I think – 12 or 11 games in the fourth quarter last year, only once they add to that lead. The Steelers could not give their defense a cushion late in games. And that defense, I mean, that was the, I mean, too many times they, the Steelers often didn't bail them out when they just needed to go on the field with a 10-point lead. Uh, so I think that was a huge issue uh, for them. But, but, yeah, I mean, those are the top two teams in the division. Um, I think the Steelers, just based on their talent, should win the division. But I thought they should have won it this year. Uh, but, you know, they got to clean up the kicking game and they got to clean up, um, you know, they still got to fix that secondary. And that's where the Steelers this year in free agency, they can't have another bad year like they did last year. I mean, maybe go after Tyron Matthew. Go after, get out, go after him. Maybe see if you can trade for Patrick Peterson or Jalen Ramsey. 
Um, they have to do something. They have to be aggressive. Maybe C.J. Mosley. Maybe the Ravens aren't going to sign him. If you lose A.B., then you better get a guy that's as good at another position that can strengthen either your secondary, your inside linebacker position, or your receiving position. But I, I do think the Steelers and Browns uh, – Make the playoffs. I like the Browns at 10-6. and six. I like the Steelers at 12-4 and four to have a rebound season. Uh, the Bengals are going to be bad. Uh, there's a lot of question marks there. And I think the Ravens are, are, are toast. I just think Lamar Jackson – I know I actually think he should get more rookie of the year consideration because that was a tough spot for him to be in. Um, but I thought he did a really good job handling it. I mean, they ran that high school offense, and he somehow made it work. But uh, And I think they're going to lose Mosley in free agency. I think the Ravens are going to finish. They'll finish third, uh, but, but they're not going to even sniff the playoffs next year, I don't think. I think Cleveland and Pittsburgh both get double digits and both make the playoffs. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, again, I'm more than comfortable giving the Ravens the benefit of the doubt. But what you didn't mention with it, that's very important is Ozzy's gone. He's retired. <laughs> So well, then, yep. that's incredibly yep. significant. That's just as significant yeah. as Mosley or anything else. If not, for, I, no, I'm not going to say if, if if not, it is more so. It's absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be going to be fascinating. What I'll say about the Browns, you mentioned Freddie Kitchens earlier. I mean, that's of course going to be the key. I am very excited. Most of Cleveland's very excited about the hire. Um, you know, this is somebody that. Yeah, he was relatively unheard of in terms of, you know, in terms of um, the national discourse, but he's been very respected in the NFL. Uh, the Cardinals, obviously now, are a horrible, horrible franchise, but they weren't always, um, as you guys know, having played them in the Super Bowl. And, and Freddie Kitchens was on that staff that you guys beat. Um, he, you know, learned, worked under Ken Wisenhunt, worked under Bruce Arians, um, he, you know, very, he worked on very briefly under Parcells, very briefly under Nick Saban. Um, so he, you know, was the starting quarterback at the university of Alabama. Uh, you know, so there's a lot to him to like, and I think just the personality is a really good fit. You know, he, he is who he is. It, it, it's, it's funny having a guy like this. We haven't had a coach. Like you know, like this that I can remember, at least in a very long time. You know, Southern guy, uh, definitely a gentleman, very respectful. Uh, seems like a good, a very good person from by all accounts, and did an incredible job, and incre- truly incredible. If you look at the statistics, it, it, it's the Browns' offense once he took over, once we rid ourselves of, of the albatross with Hugh Jackson and 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 also Haley. You know, Todd Haley getting rid of him. The Browns' offense put up put up incredible numbers. I mean, they were on par with the best offenses in football in in, in several statistical categories. And this is an, a team that I do really believe Baker Mayfield, it, you know, will become as early as next year the ultimate villain in the division. He's going to be the guy that outside of Cleveland is going to be the most hated guy I believe in the in the division, or or certainly up there because. He's got swagger. He says what's on his mind, and he backs it up. At least to this point, well, he talks, but he backs it up. And the guy's thrown a touchdown pass in every every start that he's had uh, as a professional, and he you know he he, he can do it all. He's great, uh, much better in the pocket than I than I certainly thought he would be. Um, obviously, very effective getting out of the pocket, but. 
there's a lot of talent there. The offensive line, you know, definitely needs a better, better, better option at left tackle. Chris Hoberta we got from the Steelers was a time shaky. So the offensive line is a little bit of a question mark, but the rest is, is there. The quarterback is there for the first time since Bernie Kosar. <laughs> the quarterback is there for the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. Not an issue. Um, in terms of skill position, Nick Chubb is another guy. Some years he would have had consideration or close to for rookie of the year. He had 996 yards. He lost some lost yards on his last carry, unfortunately. He did not get a 1,000-yard season as a rookie. But he also was not getting the football basically at all for the first several weeks of the season when the Browns hit Carlos Hyde. So he would have been over 1,000 yards. Um, Antonio Callaway looks like a, a very solid player. You mentioned Jarvis Landry coming over in free agency. Uh, David Njoku, a young tight end with all the talent in the world, uh, needs to be more consistent. But you know, has the chance. Uh, One really fascinating scenario that you don't see with the Browns ever is taking someone with a lot of talent who was on a rival and actually implementing him and having him be pretty darn successful. And I'm talking about Brashad Perriman, who was awful for the Ravens. And maybe part of that was that they haven't had a guy that could throw the ball well for a while. But, you know, Brashad Perriman, he's a free agent. It'll be interesting. That's a guy, if he comes back, he was a first-round pick. We know the talent's there. So, I guess, point being, on offense and on defense, you mentioned Miles Garrett as the leader. Um, but, I mean, there are pro bowlers throughout um, that entire position group. Uh, you know, there isn't, isn't one at safety, but you have Denzel Ward, who's a pro bowler. You have, not this year, but Joe Schobert and Kristen Kirksey have made pro bowls. And the Browns have, you know, have got a young guy named Gennard Avery who has, should probably be or has a, very, a legitimate chance of being all pro or all rookie, excuse me, not all pro. So the, the talent is there. And, you know, if the Browns can have another really strong draft, which really they hit basically a home run in this last draft, missed on a few picks, but everybody does, you know, the future is very, very bright. And while, yeah, I mean, the Steelers do deserve, in my view, to be the favorite next year, as a Browns fan, we head into it saying, let's win this division and let's see if we can make some noise in the playoffs. Why not? Why not us? It, it, it is, if this offseason goes as planned and the Browns have plenty of cap space, the Browns have, have you know, have very solid draft capital in the first, first few rounds, not two first-round picks again, but – you're able to hit with those two first rounders, your franchise quarterback and a lockdown cornerback and Denzel Ward. It's, you know, so as a Browns fan, the hire seems great. Who knows until we start playing, but if this hire coaching hire was right and we have a proven general manager in John Dorsey, who's done an incredible job with this roster in just one year, then all of a sudden you do see a scenario where the Browns are going to be highly relevant and definitely, you know, head into next season with aspirations. And, and for the first time since the new Browns, it will truly be a disappointment and a justified disappointment based on talent if the Browns don't at least make the playoffs next year. And that's fun as a Browns fan, and I think will make this division incredibly um, interesting, oh, you know, or, or in the years to come. Here's the Browns' schedule. they got two against Cincinnati, two against Pittsburgh, two against Baltimore, obviously. Bills, AFC East, Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets, 
Then you got the AFC West, Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, Niners, and then Broncos, Titans. I mean, that's, you know, that, you got some tough games there, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Browns well, get to England. It, it, it's not to interrupt, but it, it's a third-place schedule. The Steelers are a second-place right. schedule. The schedule. It's not like the schedule differs greatly with the Browns and the Steelers. We have almost, you know, the exact same common opponents, but the one advantage to – you know, not winning the amount of games that we were capable of and, and, and being a game and a half behind the Steelers and being in third is exactly what you said. You have some divisions such as, you know, not I'd like to pick on them because I live here, but the Denver Broncos, um, even though it'll be back in Denver, it's, again, hard to win there, but, but that's a team that's very, very beatable and looks like they're going to hang on to Case Keenum with a first-year head coach also was defensive-minded in, in, the, in the era where of offensive-minded, young, young offensive-minded coaches, they want defense, and we'll see if that works. But you have a scenario like that where when you play a third-place schedule, especially in a division like the AFC West, which, where you have two really great teams at the top and two shakier teams at the bottom, that's the difference. Um, whereas the Steelers would play as a second-place schedule, would play the Chargers, who are a very tough team next year, the Browns end up playing the Broncos. So that's just one example of, you know, what happens when you finish obviously third versus second that does give the Browns a little, at least a little bit of an advantage schedule-wise when compared to the Steelers. Yeah, right. And, and the Steelers have the Chargers. They got the Colts because, you know, second-place schedule and whatnot. And, I mean, Seahawks are net, you know, they're always a tough down. I'm not giving the Seahawks credit. I thought they were going to really start to fall off the map. They're obviously they're not, you know, where they were four or five years ago going to Super Bowls, but that they're going to be tough games. I mean, the Cardinals, I think, should be a win. Uh, you know, the Rams are obviously in, in the NFC Championship game. Uh, the Jets should not be an issue. Neither should the Dolphins or the Bills. I mean, game the East stands the Patriots. I mean, that's for both uh, the Browns and the Steelers. That's kind of a gift. And the in the AFC West, um, I mean, you guys get to face Denver, and then Denver's gonna get another coach. And you know, this is off topic, but I think John Elway, I mean, he and Manning bailed him out because he has not done a good job as the Broncos' president uh, there. I mean, he got Manning because he's John Elway, the player. So he was able to coax Manning into coming. And I mean, he gave Vance Joseph a two-year deal. I thought that was a raw deal. And, um, I mean, he has failed in trying to find Manning's successor. And I think – I mean, when, and, I mean, you're seeing it, Brian. I mean, you look at the Browns. I mean, you have to have a franchise quarterback in the NFL. I think that's why Ben has the leverage that he has in Pittsburgh is because if, if the Steelers knew that Mason Rudolph could be – then, then I think things would be different. But obviously they don't think that Mason can be, at least not yet. So Ben still kind of is holding them hostage. Um, and you saw, I mean, Baker just gave them a spirit, and you could see it right away. Um, I hope, Brian, that, that Baker keeps um, being the way he's been. Now, I will say this, and, and I didn't necessarily love the whole staring down Hugh and the whole, you know, like, mad that Hugh took another job. It's like, you know, he was fired. He, I mean, if he wants to work somewhere else, that's fine. But here's the thing, Brian, and, and, and here's where I'd like your opinion. Yeah, I didn't like it. It doesn't matter if I like it. His teammates obviously liked it, and that's what's important. And I think that's the thing that a lot of fans and people on the outside don't always think about is you might not like it, and that's fine. But if his teammates like it, 
that, I think to me that showed, and Baker's, I think, and I think this is the thing that people overlook with Baker coming out of the draft. He's a team guy. And I think he, and he even said it in the interview. He goes, I want to go to Cleveland. I want to shake it up. I want to be on the Browns team that goes to the playoffs and makes things happen. And I think that his personality, while it rubs some people the wrong way, I think as, as long as it doesn't go overboard, but I think he's matured. I think he, he had some mistakes at Oklahoma, young guy, and, and just like Ben, and figured it out. And I think Baker has hopefully figured it out at a younger age. But I think he is exactly what the Browns need. And it would be interesting to see if they continue to get weapons around them. I mean, Jarvis Landry is a very good receiver. But if they can find another receiver that they can bring in this offseason, whether it's the draft or free agency, I mean, I don't think – the Steelers have already said they're not sending Brown to – they won't. They said they're not sending him to three teams: New England, Cleveland, and Baltimore. They didn't. They might send him to Cincinnati. They don't care. But but to me, uh, that would be hilarious. Pro- what? Although that, well, I know it would, and AD, I would love it. AB, no, I wouldn't because AB and AJ Green would actually be kind of that. Even if your quarterback is bad, I mean, a quarterback is it's like if you have those two guys, someone's getting open if you can protect them. So uh, I hope, it, I, I hope, and I would not expect a B heading to the Steelers or heading to the uh, Bengals, but I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, no, I, I think, I think he's going to, I think he's going to end up on uh, either the 49ers, um, the Colts. I don't think want him. I know he's mentioned that he would like to go there, but their GMs already kind of alluded that they don't want, you know, divas. Obviously speaking about divas, Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers are going to try to get him. And that's always to me Great. the funny thing that everybody thinks that everybody's just going to, you know, run out there to try to get him. Uh, but honestly, you know, he's going to be 31 years old. His numbers did start declining a little bit last year outside of the touchdowns he was able to get. Um, you know, I think that he'll go to the Niners if they're willing to sacrifice the number two overall pick in the draft. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. Um, but it's, I think it's guys are going to be so there at Oakland. <laughs> well, I know, I know. I, I think I think the Steelers are going to get the best offer. What 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 I think what, here now I do think this could I I still think there is a small shot at at some point in the next couple of weeks cooler heads prevail. You know, Brown stops getting the uh, the viral attention that he's getting right now. Like right now, he's on his attention high. You know, and, and I think maybe if that calms down, cooler heads will prevail, and maybe they can figure it out, and he stays. Um, if that doesn't happen, then they're going to trade him. I mean, they're going to – they're Brown has until the combine. And if Brown doesn't reach out to the Steelers sometime in the next month before the combine starts, they're going to go to the combine with the agenda. We're trading him. Let's find our guy. Like, let's find our team. Let's find our deal. Let's get this done. We're going to agree to the trade in principle, and as soon as – the 13th hits of March, he'll be gone. And they have to get rid of him before the 17th because that's when he's owed his roster bonus. So this will be very – I mean, literally, he's got five weeks to talk to the Steelers, and if he doesn't, then he's gone. Um, so, And with Bell, I think they're going to transition tag him. Um, and, I mean, the Steelers obviously want value for Bell. Um, and, I, and they are going to call Bell's people in about two weeks to see – if they can even organize a trade, like if, if, if business is close, I think the Steelers, believe it or not, Brian, they're going to make him another offer. They're going to give him one last pitch. And then, and Bell will probably say, no, we're going to test our, our options on the market. The Steelers will transition tag him. Um, they could franchise and try to get a trade, 
But I don't know if anybody would pick up his franchise tag because if Bell, I don't think I think if Bell gets franchised again, he'll, he'll just sit out another year, even though it would be about Probably. twenty five million. Yeah, yeah. So I think, would, I think the yeah. Steelers' only thing they can do in that situation is fran- is transition tag him. But but ultimately, this is the one of the biggest off seasons in Steelers' recent memory. I mean, they have to they have to do a really good job this year in in the off season. The draft. Um, I think the Browns had a better draft than the Steelers, quite frankly. Their cornerback out of Ohio State. I know, and it happened this year. I mean, the Browns had a better draft, and then the Steelers, and they had a better free agent uh, offseason with bringing in Jarvis Landry and and the pieces they brought in. So, you know, and and that's, that's, in today's parity in the NFL, that's how quickly the Browns and Steelers are right next to each other, just like that. When a team's 13-3 and 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 0-16, and now we're, they're a game away from each other. That's how it happens. One really good offseason. Because in today's NFL, the parity is so even that you have to win each season. The regular season, the offseason, free agency season, draft season, you can't have an L anywhere. And the Browns aren't getting L's anymore because they've got Dorsey. They've got guys in place that know what they're doing. And that's why they could fire Hugh Jackson and they could get rid of Greg Williams and not bat an eye because they know what they're doing. And and if you're a Browns fan, that's got to make you feel good. If you're a Steelers fan, that makes you nervous because I don't have the faith in Art Rooney II. And Kevin Colbert did not have a good offseason. And that this is now when the Steelers have to stop being indecisive. They were indecisive with Bell. They're being indecisive with Brown. That, to me, I mean, and that's what you're not seeing with Cleveland. They fired Hugh Jackson. They're, they're, they're making these definitive decisions, albeit maybe it was, it was, it was late but they're making definitive decisions that make you feel good. It's almost like, you know what, I don't know if we're making all the right re- decisions, but we're making decisions. And that, I think, with the Steelers, like, I think Steelers fans are just tired of the passiveness. Just make a decision. Like with, with, They ruined that belt. That, that is so much on the Steelers that they let that thing get to the place where it got, you know, and they couldn't even spend that $14.5 million last year. That just sat there last year, just sat there. And uh, so I think, I mean, there's a lot of finger pointing in Pittsburgh and all of it's warranted. So it's going to be a really interesting off season. And uh, yeah. isn't that awesome? I mean, the NFL off season is, is what other sport, I mean, maybe basketball, but what other sport has this much excitement around it in the off season? It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I mean, basketball, I feel like is just about the certain free agents every year, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that, that's a whole nother story I don't want to get into, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, all these teams obviously is a stupid thing to say. Of course, have to make have to make strong decisions, but it is going to be pivotal on all the teams. A couple comments I want to make uh, in terms of, of of the Browns. First of all, with the whole Hugh Jackson firing in general, I have to understand Hugh Jackson. He's something else. Um, Hugh Jackson is the guy who blames everyone else. And if something happens positive, he tries to take credit for it. He did not draft Miles Garrett. Sashi Brown did. He did not put the Browns in a position to have two, you know, top, top picks. Well, he did with how horrible of coach he was to get the number one pick, but the number four pick was due to trading by the old GM, Sashi Brown. Thanks, Sashi. He really did a great job to help us, and we fired him and whatever. John Dorsey's a proven, a proven NFL guy, so I'm not complaining. But thanks, Sashi. Uh, hashtag thanks, Sashi. But uh, what I will say is, Hugh Jack- I mean, 
he just was the least genuine, pompous, for no reason, considering how horrible the job he did. So I think when you have to understand within that environment, and, you know, one Browns player had said during the season, which cracked me up, you know, had said, uh, you know, privately, anonymously to a source that Hugh Jackson was like Michael Scott. Like, that's what they thought of him. Like, Michael Scott being, wow. you know, I guess the, 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 I'll stretch it and I'll make the comparison that Michael Scott, right, earned his position as regional manager of Dunder Mifflin, this fictional example, because he was a great paper salesman. Hugh Jackson's very good at offense. He can help. And, and offense, but you put the guy in charge, he's, just, he's such a doofus. He's just not going to be, you know, be a good fit. So he was not respected in the locker room. And as a competitor, I completely respect Baker coming out and saying, it is true, he did go to a rival. He was in the locker room saying, play for me, I'm here. And, yes, he got fired. It's, both people were with, well within their rights. I don't really agree with the criticism of Baker. I understand it, but I don't agree with it. And Hugh Jackson – Again, he could have sat out and just chilled and, 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 you know, he didn't have to jump right in. He also went on TV immediately and started trying to deflect because uh, that, that's what right. he is. That, that, that's the man that he is. But what I'll say about Baker, and this is why a big part of why Freddie Kitchens is the, the Browns coach and why him and Baker have a great relationship and why that, as a Browns fan, you have that hope that this is the Belichick Brady, that this is the Tomlin Ben. That, you know, whatever the example, and he was like, there's that hope as you look into the future. I hope that this comes true, and I do have enough belief that it really very well may where it's going to be Freddie and Baker. And the big reason why they get along so well is in Freddie's uh, introductory press conference, he said, if you're not wearing brown and orange, I don't, we don't care. All we care about is the opinions, and all we care about is what is said by those in brown and orange. That's it. And that mentality, shooting it straight, not disrespectful, but honest, that is really the mentality that, that Baker has. Baker is loved by teammates. He was loved by his teammates at Alabama. The Browns love him. He, no matter what you say about him, and I, as a Buckeye fan, especially I hated the guy. I had concerns about the height. I, I bought into to everything negative, and I didn't want him, and I own it, and I constantly – tell people that I was wrong. I also tell people I wanted Denzel Ward, and I was right on that, but it doesn't matter. Point being with Baker, he <laughs> is beloved because he is, he, is not, he, he is a straight shooter. So he's, I promise he's going to be constantly disliked nationally. Colin Coward has a ridiculous hard-on for him that is probably never going to end. In the same way like a Skip Bayless has hard-ons for different people, like LeBron, for example, <laughs> that is just never going to end. You're always going to have that. That whatever, that's what you do. You want to get ratings. It, it is what it is. He will, will, will do plenty of things that will upset people nationally, and people will jump on their high horse nationally, but he will adhere to the principle that Freddie Kitchens outlined, which is if you do not wear brown and orange, we do not care. It doesn't matter. And that's where Baker, in this situation, that's where it's going to thrive, and that's why, as I said earlier, I, that he will be, because of his play and because of his mouth, he will become a villain within the division and maybe within football. Um, though I do think, as you said, there are a lot of people with the hard knocks, at least now. We'll see if that continues. It's natural. A team's on hard knocks. You can't help but, but, but sort of pay attention to that team or kind of root for him a little bit. Um, so, you know, that, 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 those are the two points I really wanted to make 
on the future and why I, Browns fans are optimistic and excited about the hire of Freddie Kitchens, who, understand, has never been a head coach, only had half a season as an offensive coordinator. Um, but, but that's the case. And also, to his credit, he's really done a great job putting together a heck of a staff. There's a ton of talent. Um, Camp, you got James Campen, I believe James is his first name. This is new. Um, who was the longest tenured assistant for the Packers, coached their offensive line, did a great job with them. He's here. Steve Wilkes as a defensive coordinator. Yes, he only had one year in Arizona, and it was a debacle, but that franchise is horrible, and nobody was going to be successful there. The guy knows defense. He was, uh, did a tremendous job with the Panthers, who really regressed this year defensively, by the way, without him. Um, you know, the, the, Brown, I mean, the Brown, yeah, Browns have, received, have, just, have managed to hire a really solid staff, and it's, you know, a combination of young guys and experience around Freddie Kitchens. And because, with Freddie Kitchens did such a great job as a play caller, it's not going to be easy. He is, a, he is going to be a rookie head coach. I'm sure he will make mistakes. But there is reason to be optimistic. And the one last point I want to make, and then we could do some final thoughts and wrap this up, is you mentioned at the very beginning about Greg Williams. Greg Williams was never going to get a real shot. shot. And I'll keep it simple to, and, and, and say this. In the NFL, we, so many people get opportunities, right? Well, let's pick on Mike Malarkey. That's a great example. He was a coach for, what, two teams? Uh, Hugh Jackson yeah. didn't do a very good job with the Raiders. He got another chance. Everyone gets a second chance, except Greg Williams in 2003 was last head coach. He had a couple of years. I think it was 2000, or 2001, 2003 in Buffalo got fired, hasn't really even interviewed for head coaching positions, hasn't really been considered. I understand the whole Bounty Gate situation did hurt him a little bit, but no one called Greg Williams, despite how great of a job he did, to interview him for their head coaching position, did they? Nobody. The, nope. the answer is no. Nope. So right. believe me, when I, you know, Greg Williams was definitely, I mean, for whatever it is, whether it's the, the – the temper, he was the right guy at the right time, and it shows growth within the Browns organization. The old Browns keep Greg Williams. And the comparison that they made, a great example, and this is one of the many former Browns head coaches that failed here, great man, Romeo Cornell, right? He got a couple opportunities to coach. Romeo Cornell, after the Browns fired him, was in Kansas City, great, did a great job as defensive coordinator, did a great job as an interim coach, and then he got a year or two there and did horrible. They were like 3-13, and 13, ended up firing him. So that is a really good test case of a guy can come in and be the perfect guy for that time. Greg Williams, because he was, a def- it was on the defensive side, had nothing to do with all the BS and the crap surrounding the horrible relationship of two egomaniacs in, in Todd Haley and Hugh-, and Hugh Jackson. He was the perfect person for that particular time and he will always be a defensive coordinator, much like, like, a, like a Rob Ryan was for, for all those years. He'll always be a defensive coordinator. He's always going to be employed. He's a great defensive mind. But there's a reason why he's not going to be head coach. And there's also a reason why people are not that upset, at least most people are not that upset, that he is heading to the New York Jets and is not even going to be a part of this organization. It wasn't even considered as a potential option to be the defensive coordinator. That's awesome. And, and, and I love a couple of things you said. First off, I forgot that Hugh did do 
for a brief moment the TV circuit and really just kind of did put things on the Browns was unclassy and really made himself look bad. So, so thank you for reminding me of that. And really now I have no issues with what Baker did. <laughs> None. I forgot about that. And you know what? The Michael Scott thing, beautiful metaphor. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, and, and you watching that hard knocks, it, you did start to realize, man, this guy is just not meant to be a head coach. And he had a power run. I remember that famous scene where he's with Haley and he's like, you know, this is my shot to be a head coach. Da, 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 da. And I think you are right. I think in the past the Browns would have been handcuffed with a coach that was five and three and was riding the ship. And they were like, oh, you know, if it doesn't work with the next guy, then we'll be called. Dumb. No, they said, we know. Yes, right guy for the right time, got us going, had the moxie we needed and everything but that's not the right guy moving forward. And I, I think you're nailing – you nailed it. And I think that um, he's assembling a great staff, and I think Wilkes was a great hire. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't like saying it from the Steelers' perspective, but the, but the Browns are finally getting the things they've always needed. Franchise quarterback, cornerstone on the defense, um, guys that are hungry and want to win, guys that want to be in Cleveland, and uh, they've got a, a stable front office with guys that are smart, that are making good football decisions and are decisive. Things that the Steelers, uh, quite frankly, need more of. And, you know, my closing thought on the whole thing, it's very exciting. I'm really looking forward uh, to this offseason. It should be awesome. The Steelers need more players like the Browns, which is something I thought I, – I mean, they, the Steelers need to be more like the Browns right now, which is – kind of a crazy bow on this podcast. They need to look across the lake or across the highway and say, okay, you know, they're the team with stability. They're the team with the young, hungry guys that are, that are doing the right things. And I think the first thing the Steelers need to do is start taking back control of the organization and away from guys like Le'Veon Antonio. Don't let them dictate what you do. You make decisions. If AB's not going to speak to you, done with him. Move on. Get rid of him. Make, start making calls right now. What are you waiting for? Make calls right now. You know, like, stop letting the players run, these, you know, you know, run the show uh, and be decisive. And in terms of the draft, don't mess around. Get Mac Wilson. He, he's, he's a linebacker the Steelers need. Um, they need to replace Ryan Shazier. If you don't get a C.J. Mosey or someone in free agency, then you would go ahead and get Mac Wilson. But, yeah, Brian, it, it's, uh, it was fun to do this pod with you. Always enjoy him. Love talking football, uh, as, as we both do. And, uh, you know, this was a crazy season, and I think it's only going to be a, uh, a foreshadowing of what's going to be a crazy offseason and a crazy year next year. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, if you're a Browns fan, you got to like where they're going. If you're a Steeler fan, decisiveness, I think, is the word uh, that, that should be uh, beaten on with a drum in Pittsburgh right now. they got to be decisive with the decisions they make moving forward. Yeah, no, I, I, this was a blast. I think it's great that we went almost an hour and 20. We're going to go an hour and 20. And, yeah, we, we just talked, really just didn't spend the entire time just talking about football, which was great. Um, I, I enjoyed it uh, and definitely want to continue to, to, to do more. Um, you know, very feel very blessed to be in a position where I'm, like, actually going to be counting down the days – until this whole thing starts. And, like, I am desperate for, for NFL stuff now. So all I care about. The Cavs are completely irrelevant. Um, you know, the Indians had a very disappointing offseason and, and will continue to have a disappointing offseason, whatever. They're still going to probably make the playoffs next year. It's not important. 
But, yeah, I look forward to, to more of these podcasts. And, and I do and want, want to genuinely say, again, to, to those Steelers fans that, that, that will listen, that listen, you know, I pr- appreciate you listening, uh, supporting my, my good friend here. Really want to – I say this on every podcast pretty much, but it's the truth. You know, Brian Deere is one of the most genuinely great people that I've ever met. Um, I think that, that that's why I'm very blessed to have maintained a relationship with him, um, you know, after college, you know, 10 years after college. Um, and uh, I, I hope to get to do this again and, and that, uh, hope that hope that even Steelers fans could enjoy my perspective and trying to be fair, coming from the Browns' perspective, giving you some, some insight into how a Browns fan feels. And we will see, you know, moving forward what happens and, and you know, who wins the division and, and where this, the rivalry goes, where the division goes. And uh, it, it's going be, gonna to be a lot of fun. I do truly believe that uh, the Brown-Steelers rivalry is on its way back, and uh, I think that will be a lot of fun um, for, for the fans of both sides. Absolutely, man, absolutely. And, and likewise, too, man, it's been uh, – you know, it, it, I don't know if there's more respect between a Pittsburgh and a Cleveland people than, than you and me. And uh, the one thing we do have in common are the Blue Jackets. We do have that in common. We both cheer for them. Yes. and. uh they were at some point tied for first in the division. So, uh, you know, they need to keep Panarin and Bob. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep both, but uh, this is win now no, time for them. I, trade Bob. I want to trade Bob. I, I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah. I'm sure we, yeah, could, well, I'm hey. sure we could do another 20 minutes on this, but I want them to trade Bob. I, 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 want, I like Corpusello and goal. Uh, I see what you can get for him. I'm, I'm good. I'm good on Bob. So that's – I'm sure we disagree on that, and that's fine. But uh, I will just say that now because I know that the Blue Jackets and the Penguins, at least from the Blue Jackets' perspective, it's a legitimate rivalry. The Penguins, I think, are going to get there if, if, if Panarin stays. If Panarin doesn't stay, who, who knows? But if the Blue Jackets can make good decisions, they shouldn't be going anywhere. And just like the Steelers, the Penguins are a model franchise in the NHL. So um, it's going to be fascinating. Um, but, yes, the, the Blue Jackets are, are right there competing with both the champions – and the previous champions of the, of the two years prior to the Capitals and the Penguins. And I've changed colors this year, Brian. I made the decision because uh, my little cousin's going to come in for Pittsburgh uh, Columbus in two months. I said, you'll be by yourself cheering for Pittsburgh, man. It's, I've changed colors this year, finally. I made the decision. I said, it's, Columbus needs it more than Pittsburgh at this point. They really do. And well, that's for sure. The Penguin fan base has gotten pretty uh, – <laughs> You know, it's I want respect in Columbus. You know, my team. You know, I've I've lived here my, most most of my life, and uh, we've never had a professional team go beyond the first round. Except, I mean, the crew, okay, but but NHL, it, it's never happened, and it's time. And you know, I was there uh, Sunday night when Rick Nash's jersey was retired, uh, not retired, but he dropped the puck, and it was one of those moments now where, like, it's been twenty years just about since they came into the league, and now we're they, the greatest player in franchise history has come back to drop the puck after he retired last Friday. Mm-hmm. It was one of those moments where it's like, wow, this this franchise is, is actually starting to get a little bit of history, a little bit. They don't have any banners yet. They need a banner. A division title, anything. They need a banner. I don't think the fans have ever been more excited for the Blue Jackets than right now because now it's a foregone conclusion pending a massive collapse. They're going to make the playoffs, and – you know, Panarin is one of the most exciting players in the NHL. He's on it. And I agree with you, Brian. My big thing with Bob is he's such a cornerstone player. 
that what would that do to the psyche if they get rid of him? But again, I'm not in the locker room. Maybe, That's fair. maybe it's better that That's he fair. leaves. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, right. I, I, I am looking at this not at all from the player perspective. I'm looking at solely from I see Corpusalo playing him very well, and I feel like he has the talent that they're close enough that you, you may as well, if you can get something for Bob if, if there, when there's a legit chance to leave anyway, I'm looking at it from that perspective, but, but you bring up a great point. But uh, we should wrap this up just because I imagine, you know, if you're a Penguins fan, you probably don't care too much about this. And it, it is getting, <laughs> more, getting late. Uh, but, exactly. yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited, to, yeah, excited for, uh, to continue. And, and, yeah, it'll be, it'll, be, uh, it'll be a wild ride coming up for sure. Well, for Brian, this is Brian signing off. If you're a Cleveland fan, uh, I guess uh, drum up the dog pound. If you're a Steeler fan, uh, stay loyal, guys, because there's a long off season to go. So take care, and we'll see you next time. See ya.